Good afternoon to Engage for Success radio show 298, Communication 101, Conversations Worth Having. And this is a re-record. We did do the show on the day, but nobody heard us, or certainly nobody who was trying to listen to the recording heard us because for some reason it didn't record. So if you've been here and heard me say we were going to re-record, then thank you for coming back. <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about how words and conversations impact your well-being and ability to be successful. I'm Jo Dodds, your host for today. I'm an engagement consultant working within the Engage for Success core team. The Engage for Success movement is an inclusive movement committed to the idea that there is a better way to work by releasing more of the capability and potential of people at work. We spread the word about employee engagement and shine a light on good practice. And we're widely supported across the UK involving the public, private and third sectors. If you go to our website, engageforsuccess.org, you can use the link. I've just about set the bottom of the page to join the newsletter, but I've just put a new template on the website and I can't remember where the link is now. <laughs> That's not very helpful, but there is a pop up. So if you just wait a moment, it will pop up and I will get uh, the news of where the link is for the next show. Um, and our social media links are on there, too. They're in the top right hand corner um, and you can click through and to the various uh, social media platforms from there. So my guests, guests today are Sherry Torres, who's lead catalyst CEO of Collaborative Design, and Jackie Stavros, a professor at Lawrence Technological University. So welcome, Sherry, and welcome, Jackie. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Joe. It's a pleasure to be here again. <laughs> yes, thank you for your patience and your, uh, your extra time. So, so oh, if you'd like to start um sherry do you want to start by uh, explaining who you are and what you do and then we'll move on to jackie sure um i work with uh, communities and organization leaders and teams to help them uh, improve and enhance the way they engage in conversations with each other so that they they can truly bring out not only the best in uh, everyone in the organization or the community but also create the the outcomes and the visions that they are striving for. Mm -hmm. Lovely. Thank you. And Jackie? Yes. And um, as you mentioned in my intro, I'm a professor at Lawrence Technological University, and I use um, appreciative inquiry probably in everything I teach and do. And my passion is working with um, folks in organizations and leadership development, team building, strategic planning and really helping people understand what their strengths are, what are the opportunities out there for them and aspirations and results. And I just get great pleasure in working with my colleague, Sherry Torres, and bringing this appreciative inquiry and conversations we're having into our world to really make every word count. Lovely, actually, I like that, make every word count. I will come back to that. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. So, so Sherry, talk about why conversation is, is really important in terms of engaging people and, and engaging people successfully. That's a great question. If, if you think about it, almost every waking moment, and probably when we're sleeping and dreaming as well, we are engaged in conversation, either internally with ourselves or externally with other people. And those conversations are pivotal. They determine the direction we move in. They determine what our next moment is, what our relationship is like. And 
most often because conversation and using language is second nature to us, we don't really think about the words and the impact they're having on us. Instead, we just we just speak. Uh, very similar to like the water in which fish swim. And just like the fish, if the water is toxic, the fish cannot thrive. And if our conversations are toxic or they're not really worth having, then we can't thrive either. So our work is really about how do you intentionally foster conversations that really support productivity, high engagement and flourishing. Mm -hmm. And I love the, the comment you made about the fact that we're having conversations internally just with ourselves as well as externally with other people, because that's such a big part of how we sort of think and behave on a daily basis, isn't it? What we're telling ourselves. Absolutely, it is. And we really don't watch those conversations. No, no, exactly. No. Especially because no one else can hear them. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and just um, explain also your role with with Jackie you you work together and you, you've written a book what, what's what's the book so the book we have is called conversations worth having using appreciative inquiry to fuel productivity and meaningful engagement and Sherry and I began working together well over 15 years ago we actually wrote a book called dynamic relationships and um, I would say after all of our research and practice throughout the world and with our clients, we realized that the hallmark of a, a great relationship is the hallmark of a great conversation and conversations that are appreciative and inquiry based um, are meaningful, solution focused, productive and engaging. And mm -hmm. that's what we were able to do in bringing it into this latest book that we wrote. Yeah, and that's conversations worth having if anyone wants to go and check it out. So so tell us a bit more, Jackie, about what appreciative inquiry actually is. I, I guess it's a phrase some people will have heard, but maybe don't really understand what that means. So appreciative inquiry was actually um, it was co-created by um, David Cooper writer and Ron Fry and a group of um, professors and doctorate students at Case Western Reserve University in 1987. And appreciative inquiry was a way of asking questions that were generative. And today, if you fast forward today, appreciative inquiry um, seeks to discover the best in people, the best in teams and organizations and communities. And it's known as one of the most widely used approaches for fostering positive change and creating new innovations. Um, you know, you'll hear if you organizations you might be familiar with like Marriott hotels and Green Mountain Coffee Roasters, Google, the Cleveland Clinic, you know, these are places where people understand the importance that appreciative inquiry values the voices and opens our world to really new possibilities and, and new ways of working together and, and just understanding of what can be. Lovely. And Sherry, perhaps um, could you add to that about why it's so unique for, for, for success in terms of these conversations and relationships? Um, sure. I think one of the things that um, uh, David and the uh, team that he was working with realized in the course of their research is that, um, and it's an underlying principle of appreciative inquiry, it, is that we literally move in the direction of the questions that we ask 
and the images that we hold in our mind. So if we want to move towards what we want to create in the world, then we need to be intentionally fostering images of what we want. And then again, intentionally asking questions that help us uncover the positive core of that, that we already know how to do and to create, be creative and innovative in how do we bring about that, that future that is calling us. Right. It's, a, it's a subtle thing, but it maps perfectly with the, that notion that we move in the direction of our conversations. And so having conversations about what we want and what we want more of is the way to achieve a world that works for everyone. Mm-hmm. So Jackie, can you tell us more specifically about actually how you do it? What, you know, what, what are the sort of stages? What, what does it look like? Cause it, it does, it all sounds very logical and, um, as, as Sherry said, you know, moving towards what we want all sounds, you know, of course, that's what we would do. But it's never that easy, is it? <laughs> no. And um, what we've done over the years is we've really boiled it down to, to two practices. And the key is that you practice the practices and the practices are positive framing and generative questions. And when you look at positive framing, when you take a challenge, a problem or a situation, how do you frame and draw people into a conversation and inspire them to take action? And a generative question is a type of question that creates um, new images and changes the way people think and ask. And generative questions demonstrate that, you know, Joe, you're really curious about the situation and you really want to understand the person you're talking to and you want to figure out a way to move um, forward together. So if I talk about positive framing, we have a, a little model in, in our book that talks about, it's called the flipping process. So imagine that there's three, there's three steps here. You name it, you name the problem, you flip it, name the positive opposite of the problem you brought forward. And then you really frame it by clarifying what you want more of, the outcome if the positive opposite is true. So if I gave you an example, um, which happens in a lot of organizations, um, let's say the problem is low performance. And we talk about several examples in the book. Um, one is um, in a hospital that, you know, the stats are down, there's low performance, there's issues in the emergency room. And the positive opposite is you want to turn things around. The opposite of low performance is high performance. But the real conversation you want to have is you don't want to dig deep into low performance and high performance. But think about if I asked you, Joe, what would what is the outcome if you have high performance? And the inquiry of high performance would be an emergency room that has highly satisfied patients that are well cared for. And that's where you want to take the inquiry into the direction of what you want more of and the outcome of the positive opposite is true. So what does a high performing ER look like? And I guess quite often human nature is to focus on the problem, to focus on the the, the thing that's going wrong. And, and, you know, lots of people sort of popularly would say, oh, you know, you, you get more of what you focus on and that's why we measure things and all those other things. But um, the idea of, of purposefully 
changing that to the positive, I guess, is something that that we don't always naturally do. Right. And we we do get more of what we focus on. Mm. And so if you are measuring what's going wrong, <laughs> you're likely to have that increase. And there are you know, there are organizations that prior to working with appreciative inquiry um, did exactly that. Uh, for example, Avon Mexico was having issues with um, sexual harassment. And the more they studied it and the more they looked into where it was happening in the organization, the more they measured it, the worse and bigger the problem seemed to get. And when they came in and said, all right, let's let's try an appreciative inquiry approach and see if that can make a difference because um, what they were doing was not working. And so they they began to ask the question, where in the organization do we see um, uh, great teamwork between men and women in the organization? And they actually put out a, an, a request for um, uh, a man and a woman who had worked well together and felt like it was um, it was not only successful and equitable, but that they were they were able to support um, success for the organization as well. And they were hoping they would get maybe ten pairs, and they were overwhelmed with more than fifty pairs of people who came forward um, with great stories, and they began to study what goes into successful relationships between men and women at Avon um, and an uncovered kind of the root cause of equity between men and women in the organization and began then to implement and study their growing success in that area. And within two years, they received um, an award from the National Organization for Women as one of the best places to work in Mexico mm. for, for women. Yeah. And, and, and Sherry brings in an excellent point. One thing to point out is um, if there's something going wrong in an organization or community, you have to address it. Um, but leaders can shift the way they address problems by how they frame it and how they ask questions. So tone and direction and what you engage in the conversation is is really important so that the next time you're stuck with a problem or someone's complaining about what's going wrong, you know, going through positive framing and generative questions, you can begin to flip, do the flip and move in the direction of learning yes. an outcome you're looking more of. Yes. So how can organizations use this to help to engage people better so uh, obviously you've just used a, a great example Sherry um, and that you know you can see how that that worked and how it changed and everything else but I can't always see how an organization would get their head around the idea of you know flipping an issue and actually focusing on a positive they, they you know people get stuck in that 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 um, negative sort of focusing on what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong, rather than being able to, to flip it. So how, how should people approach this in terms of improving employee engagement in organizations when the natural thing quite often is to look at where it's not working? Um, and that, that, Go ahead, Sherry. I was, um, I was gonna say it's, first of all, it's a good idea not to beat up on yourself because it is our natural inclination to look for what's wrong. We're wired to do that because we're wired to keep ourselves alive and safe. 
And that being said, there are very few saber-toothed tigers in an organization, um, but, but there are a whole lot of triggers um, that cause us to, to be stressed around not belonging, the, you know, the fear of rejection, the fear of, of getting it wrong, of not being included, and all of those trigger the exact same response um, as the, as the saber-toothed tiger does. And so recognizing that, yes, I'm wired this way, and I have control over what I pay attention to. So there is, there is a, a brief moment which you, uh, uh, where you can stop that, the hijack into the negative simply by stopping and pausing taking a deep breath and getting curious and you can get curious about your own first response like whoa why am I just looking at what's wrong here or why did I have that reaction um, but then practicing and it really is a practice because we've been trained to problem solve from elementary school on we've been trained to look at what's wrong what what doesn't fit with the picture which ones of these match and which ones don't so we are highly skilled at problem solving and we've been rewarded for it for years. And this is a new, it's a new practice. Um, and there's problem solving is still a good tool to have in your tool bag. Um, and that being said, when you are dealing with anything that is, um, that involves human beings and human interactions or that is a complex challenge, it really requires that openness to multiple ways of knowing, many perspectives, really being curious about what's going on here and what is it that we want together? What's the shared image? And how do we get curious enough to ask the questions that will, um, that will surface possibilities for going forward? Mm -hmm. Jack, Jackie, what were you going to say? Um, no, I was just going to say everyday examples. If you think about... Um you know, Sherry mentioned you can focus on what you want. A question you could ask people when there's a problem or they're complaining or they're stuck is you could ask, you know, what are your wishes? That's a generative question. It's very open-ended. I don't know what your wishes are. Um, remember, your questions create your moments. And what you think and what you say and what you do does matter, and it impacts yourself and others. Um, another problem in organizations, people coming late to meetings. Um, People being on their cell phones or computers during meetings. And, you know, and, and it would start with, a again, a generative question would say you could start with explaining why is it important that we all gather on time and then perhaps ask, when is the best time for us to get together? And, and is there something that can be done so we get here on time? And then you really go into a high performing team. So it doesn't ignore problems. Appreciative inquiry is not about turning a blind eye to anything, but it's seeing beyond the, the problem and inviting an inquiry to search for what is going on right, what is possible, and how do we move forward together? Mm. So the example that you shared before, Sherry, uh, in Mexico, what, what could they have done if they didn't have those examples? So they said, you know, where could we find within the organization a man and woman working together well that we can sort of focus on and clearly they they had you know a good response to that so that that was really helpful but if if nobody had come forward if there weren't any examples how could they look on the positive in that situation um first 
appreciative inquiry, one of the principles or the foundations of, of appreciative inquiry is in, in any organization around something you're trying to grow or move towards, there is somewhere that is working. Um, if it's not working within the organization, you could ask for um, volunteers of people who have an experience anywhere in their life right. yes. of working. Or you could begin an external search and look for other organizations where it's working well. Mm -hmm. it's, but it's really about studying, asking the questions and studying what is it that we want, we want or want more of, because if we learn a lot about what works that, and what are the conditions that support that, then we know how to create a foundation that will actually support that in our own organization or in our community. Mm -hmm. It does fit really nicely, actually, with one of our uh, aims as an organization. When we started the movement um, all those years ago, we've said all along it's about and I probably said it in the intro. Um, it, it's about spreading the word about engagement, but it's about shining a light on good practice. And exactly. that is sort of that's giving people those examples of how it could be. Um, so it fits really, really nicely with that, doesn't it? So we're just moving into the, to the last few minutes of the of the show. What what sort of tips and takeaways do you have um, for for our listeners to to, to start to implement? Um, appreciative inquiry within um, their organizations? I guess the first thing is read the book. <laughs> <laughs> lots of examples there. <laughs> yeah, there's there's lots there's lots of examples in in the book. And if if you could boil it down, so if you went to our our website, um, we have a free conversational toolkit you can download. And there's about a two minute mini overview on how important conversations are in the practices. And then we have um like a executive summary I call it of the book. Um, and we have a list of generative questions and positive framing and the importance is positive framing is if you and I have time to think about a conversation that's going to be coming up we've got time to think about who do we want to draw into the conversation and inspire to action and sometimes when you're in the moment and and things are going spiraling downwards and you want to shift the conversation just the act of asking a generative question can automatically flip the frame and move you in a direction and generative questions are going to do three things. They're going to make room for diverse and different perspectives. How do you see it? Um, generative questions will surface new information and knowledge. You know, how did they manage it? And then it's going to stimulate creativity and innovation. How might me? What's possible? Mm. And you said at the beginning, Shay, that this is about um, conversations internally as well as well as externally it strikes me that some of these generative questions we could do with asking ourselves sometimes when we're dwelling on a problem and and you know perhaps our well-being is being affected because we're worrying about something the, the yeah. sort of questions that you've just shared Jackie they you know they they would work for us as well wouldn't they absolutely and I, I was actually thinking about that as I was listening to Jackie um, uh, kind of give some tips of things to do and I I would I would add that exactly what you said, Joe, is to use those same kinds of questions um, to open up your own space for yourself. If you are um, being self-critical, and one of the things that in our kind of 
um, rudimentary research that we've been we've been doing with um, with people is discovering that uh, more often than not our internal conversations tend to be depreciative we devalue ourselves and we find fault with ourselves which doesn't doesn't help us bring out our best and achieve our potential so asking yourself questions um, say for instance you've got a, a um, project uh, report coming up that you have to present um, asking yourself when have I done an incredible job at presenting something and then looking at what did I value about myself and what did I do there that made it so good what were the conditions um, in order to to not only give you ideas for what you can do going forward but to ground yourself in that awareness of I've been successful at this before there's nothing stopping me from being successful at this again Mm. Um, so really getting curious and getting curious about other people. The one question that I would highly recommend all of us ask ourselves, and I, I especially have to remind myself all the time of this, is do I, do I really know that? Am I sure, absolutely certain that my assumption is correct? And if, I, if I'm honest with myself, my answer is usually no. So I have to ask. Yes. I don't know. My audio went a bit funny then. I don't know if it was just mine or yours as well, Sherry. So can you just repeat that question again, just to make sure yeah. our listeners got it too? Yes, that that um, so often we make assumptions um, and uh, about what we know or, or what we assume about somebody else's intentions or what they mean. Hmm. And uh, for me, a, a really important question to ask myself is, Am I sure about my assumption? Am I absolutely certain that I'm correct? And more often than not, I, if I'm honest with myself, I have to answer, no, I'm not certain. I might think this, but I'm not certain. And so when I come from a place of I'm not certain and I ask the question about someone else's either intentions or what they meant, it's going to come from a place of genuine curiosity um, mm. And I often learn that, in fact, I was not correct in my assumptions. So and that, <laughs> that reinforces my um, my willingness to be open and ask those kinds of questions. Yes. Yeah. So we're just coming to the last few minutes. So to just close, Jack, clothes, not clothes, close. <laughs> um, what? How do we know this is working in organisations? What if if this was an organisation that where this was working really well, what, what sort of evidence would we see? The evidence that you would see in the organizations, if you were walking around or listening, I believe you would hear people sharing ideas. Um, you would see change. You would see an uplift of energy, people suggesting possibilities, people really working well together. And, and what begins, and if you're a believer that conversations are a defining moment, in your life and they shape you then why not put a dose of appreciative inquiry because it brings out the best in people and you can go to the appreciative inquiry commons at the david l cooper writer center for appreciative inquiry and you can get you can see hundreds if not thousands of organizations that have known about something that emerged about 30 years ago mm. And how it's being used in communities and in cities and companies and entrepreneurs and school systems. It just goes on and on and on. Yes. Yeah. 
And one last thing I would say, if you stopped somebody in one of those organizations and said, so tell me about what it's like to work here. I think what you would hear is my voice matters. I am included. Um, I'm passionate about what we're doing. And, um, and I, you know, I have the freedom to contribute in ways that are meaningful to me and to others. Perfect. That fits so well with our employee voice enabler. <laughs> so thank you, Sherry. And thank you, Jackie. It's been great speaking to you again um, for the second time, even better this time. <laughs> thank you so much for this opportunity. Yeah, thank you, Joe. It's been it's been a great conversation, one worth having. Yes. Lovely. Thank you. And so um, I've remembered where the newsletter link is. It is still at the bottom of the website. Um, so do please join the newsletter list if you haven't already. And um, the week after this, if you haven't listened to it already, because obviously it's been, um, I spoke with Pete Gross of Foundation SP and we talked about balancing engagement with a high performance culture. So that's on show number 299. So thank you. And uh, we look forward to catching you sometime soon.